Welcome back, guys. DJS 306. We continue our Halloween stories at 420 today, brought to you by Portlandia, Big Believer Cabernet Sauvignon. There's a picture of the bottle with Bigfoot on it on Facebook. Yes. Uh, and if you want to communicate with us, whether it's spooky stories or just say the show sucks, uh, you can go to DJSHalloween at gmail.com and uh, just know that Andrew's going to be the one to read it. So Yeah, don't say it, don't say it sucks. <laughs> it's don't say the yeah, answer uh, sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll have to read it. Um on the break, Wheels and I were just talking about um this Navy former Navy SEAL whose TikTok we both watch and enjoy. And uh he interviews other Navy SEALs and this guy who is a CIA agent, and it's just so absolutely fascinating. And talking about their uh, level of intelligence and their type of intelligence. And I've had the honor, uh, still do, of being friends with several uh, current and former Navy SEALs. And one time I got to have lunch with uh, one, two, three of them. And one guy, uh, who gray hair, gray beard, so and this has probably been 10 years, and he was probably in his late 40s back then, was SEAL Team 6. And I got to have lunch with him and, like, ask him all these questions. And I was being a total dork. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, how do I kill guys with my thumb? And it, he was so... Fascinating. And he said, uh, he said, if a Navy SEAL has to have a physical altercation during a mission, they have failed their mission because physical altercations are risky and I can be fighting someone with no skills and they can get a lucky punch or they can have a knife that I don't see. So it's not like the movies. We don't want to physically touch anyone. He said, if you're a thousand yards away from me and I need to kill you. I want you to walk to me because walking a thousand yards is going to make me tired. Just simple stuff like that. And he said they're called teams because he said you can't have a team of all wall jumpers. Right. He said you need a couple wall jumpers. You need a couple of guys who are like, I'm going. And then you need some guys who are like, let's think about this. And he said every SEAL team has wall jumpers and every SEAL team has slow thinkers. And I, I'll never forget that lunch rest of my life because everything he said was so smart and yet so simple, like so much of being smart in that way. It seems to me is not complicating things. It's simplifying things. So I thought that was really, really fascinating. It it has to be. It makes sense when you because I'm I'm with you. Like when you hear them talk about those things, and you're like, wow, they that really is keeping it simple. But that does have to be how it is when you're on those kinds of missions, right? I mean, you can, you don't have time for you know tenth level thinking and planning because you don't know everything's going to plan. You're trained for very simple things, and you try. And it's not saying that the job is simple, but these cues are fairly simple. I thought it was uh, fascinating too. The this I saw one actually last night. It was that same. It's the guy's name is Sean Ryan. The Sean Ryan Show is the one that does all the interviews. And he's a we also, get him on. and he's also a former, uh, I believe, <clears throat> SEAL team member. If I'm if I'm right, if not, he's special forces of some kind. But that's why it's interesting too because it's it's peer to peer. So you're getting better questions. I couldn't ask the questions in the way that this guy does because I don't have the frame of reference to do it, which is why I think they're so informative. And it was interesting listening to the one I saw yesterday, and I'm forgetting the name of the guest, but he was talking about how fast things happen. And it's and you can't really even describe, he said you can't even describe how fast and how violent it can get really quickly. 
And it, and he said the maybe the he said the best war movie he's ever seen, the most realistic version of what he's experienced was actually the movie Black Hawk Down, mm. where it's coming at you from everywhere, rooftops and the roads in front of you, and it's like nonstop change. It's like that's what it is. And that's how fast you have to make those decisions. I mean, these guys are talking about like, yep, my first time getting shot, my second time. I'm like, second time. (laughs) That's amazing. I mean, you know, you have to be in that, but it takes a certain, what would you say, set of mental skills. Yeah. I know you can train them up. You can train them up. You know, you can train people up to be better at these things, but I do think you have to have a certain, everybody's brain functions differently. And I think theirs function very well in that kind of split second. Anyone think they could, uh, in their very best shape of their life, get through the the buds program, the Hell Week, for no. the Navy SEALs? No, no, mm, probably not. I mean, there was a time I was in pretty good shape, but not. F- you have to train specifically for those things, and nothing like. I mean, it would have been nothing like that. Yeah, as soon as they started splashing the water in my face, I'd be like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah. it's, it's getting right in my eyes. I do think the younger, a sunburn. the younger, the better. Like 18 to 20 year old me would be a different dude than say 30 year old me, not just physically, but like mentally, you're, you're almost like you have that, you know, everybody does when you're a teenager, you're like, well, I can handle anything. And most, most people can't though. That's the point. You, the odds are that we all fail just like the vast majority of the candidates don't make it. Yeah, I think about my dad joined the Navy when he was 17, 16 or 17, and he was a little dude, 5'5", 120 pounds, and he was on an LST, LST number 474, and this is a, it's a giant ship that carried troops and other things, and you can go Google it, and, and LST 474, and there are like five pictures of it with a bunch of guys standing on the gangplank, and I always wonder if one of those guys is my dad. And I think he's at, like, Guadalcanal, and he's not even 18. Like, what a life. What a strange life, you know, that that's how it starts. That before you're even really of age, because he, the story is he found my grandpa at a card game drunk, and he signed something saying that he was older than he was. I don't know. Oh. Some shenanigans like that. But the permission to yes. enlist it early. Happened, it happened a lot back then, yeah. I guess. But he was, like, a, a literal minor. He was a kid. And there he is in the South Pacific for four years, you know, on his giant ship. And they carried prisoners back and forth and just that's as foreign to me as being on top of Mount Everest. Thank God. And but yeah, you're right. But I, I, I also think that it wouldn't have been if you were in the same spot. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess I would have done what I had to do. If, if Dave were like of that time, you mean? Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's something I was, we actually kind of had the same conversation. It was the same thing with my dad. My dad was just out of high school, college age during the Vietnam War. And, you know, that's just what you did. You're gonna, you're either going to get drafted or you're going to enlist. And it's the, it's what you're dealt with. I mean, you don't have a whole, you don't have a choice. And I think all of human history is littered with, when you're faced with you don't have another choice but the terrible thing to deal with, people will deal with it. They may not always succeed. They don't all survive, but you adapt to your time. And like our time in particular, even more so than Rachel and Andrew's time, most of our time as a kid, we were well, I mean, I was 30 on 9-11. My whole life before that was pretty, the world was pretty simple. He had, a, you know, the Operation Desert Storm or whatever that was, but that was just like planes dropping bombs and stuff. It didn't really change anything back here in the States. 
Uh, and that was in the early 90s. But it was simple. Like, there was nothing. The the Cold War had basically come to an end pre-9-11. None of that was really that big of a concern. It wasn't like, oh, man, I might have to go overseas and get in a war. It just wasn't even a thought. But it would have been if you were in either of those, our parents, our dad's generation. Yeah, I think about that <clears throat> for my kids. We all think about our kids, obviously. But And I think my kids had a good childhood. But... Uh, you know, they grew up with 9-11 and all this kind of stuff, which we didn't. And as we all know, typically your life doesn't get easier the older you get. You know, you get out there, you get a job, you have kids, you get married, you get divorced, you this, you that. Um, and I just hope that my kids get to have something resembling what I had for like the first 35 years of my life, which it felt like a completely different life. And like on TikTok, you'll see things like, let me take you back to 1986, and here's what the malls look like, and here's what a Kit Kat bar looked like. And I can vouch that those are real. It's not spinning things. It's not uh, exaggerating. Life was different and simpler and easier during the 80s and 90s. It just was, at least for me. I think we might have had the biggest sweet spot of any generation I in the United States. I totally agree. At least, at least in the 20th century and, and beyond. Because you go early early 20th century. You I mean, guys, this is a big, giant, philosophic, political question. But to what degree do you feel confident or hopeful that things will get better from here than where they are? That Rach will be 60 years old and look back and go, well, when I was a young woman— we had 9-11 and Donald Trump and, and January 6th and Israel, Palestine, and then we had this and this and this and this. But then in 2050, things really started looking up and things are really good now. To what degree do you expect that? And to what degree do you expect it just to kind of keep going downhill? It's a good question. I, I guess my question to you is in the 80s and 90s, were you really looking around going like, this is sweet, like this is easy, or did the obstacles still seem giant? They just, to, I'll speak for me, that th wasn't even a thought. What you just asked, that wasn't even a thought. Like all these bigger problems, it wasn't even a thing. And I'm not sure really. They existed, clearly problems existed, but it wasn't like a national consciousness. Yeah, okay. there, there, there have always been things going on. And the people in charge and the war fighters have always had to be on the ready. Yeah. But for normies, for just, you know, rank and file people, like for my mom and dad, you know, they had lived through the Depression. They'd lived through World War II. But I think they would agree that the 70s, 80s, 90s were pretty sweet for them. So to go back on, on what you guys just said, I think probably the reason why those things didn't feel so big is because you didn't have the media convincing you that the world was ending. And not to say that we don't face huge problems now because we absolutely do, but the the way we consume this information is not helping. And it does feel like the sky is falling all the time. Yep. So to answer your question, I don't necessarily see it getting better because I don't see the media landscape becoming more generous and more tender towards the people consuming it. I see them becoming even bigger fear mongers yeah. over time. Yeah. Yeah. My, my wonder is not a, a certainty. My wonder is whether or not starting with your guys generation and Gen Z and alpha after that, whether they become the groups as a whole become more hardened to it all mm -hmm. as you go along. And then you have that defense mechanism in there where 
you know, it doesn't hit you the way that it hits. Like, think about how this stuff doesn't hit me. Like, all of the bombardment does not hit me the same way it hits my parents and people their age. It's a lot all the time. I don't really feel like it's a lot all the time. I do think it's overly hyped. Like, we're always trying to make things bigger and crazier because that's what makes you watch. Yeah. Right? That's what keeps your eyes on the screen uh, or keeps you buying the newspaper or whatever. Um, but I don't feel overly overwhelmed by it. And I'm kind of in that in-between age where I was an adult when it started, where you guys were not. You mm-hmm. were kids when it started, and you've grown up along with it, right? That's kind of like your experience. I wonder, though, I, I, th- I do think all of these things go in cycles. I do think eventually we get back to a calm period. Um, and if you look at, I remember, what this was a while back. It might have been a couple months ago we talked about how it, it seems to go basically in 30-year cycles. Where it ramps up, gets really bad, and then after that, everybody's tired of the nonsense, and it calms down for a while, and then it ramps back up. That's kind of what it did from Civil War to World War One, World War One to World War Two, World War Two, essentially to the Vietnam era, Vietnam era, essentially to 9-11. They're not exactly 30-year windows, but I think, I think you'll have a good window at some point, Rachel. and Andrew. But I think we can all agree, don't you feel like we, we feel like we're due some good luck? Like, don't you feel like the world's just do something really good? Like tomorrow, please. As opposed to, and maybe it's the angle the news takes, or maybe things just are that bad, but it it really does feel like watching the news is about watching bad things. 325 on the dot, DGS. So an interesting thing, I'm experiencing an interesting thing. Uh, I was telling you guys how... Uh, I've, I have not been careful with my money, but I've also not, like, I, I my Jeep's about to turn 200,000 miles, and that's my everyday driver. That's not my fun car. That's my car. Everyone in my family has a nicer car than me, including Phoebe, <laughs> and I'm fine with that. But my point is I'm not, like, an extravagant person by any means, but I uh, happened to look at my, like, PayPal and DoorDash over a 30-day period and was shocked and shamed at how much I spend on stupid stuff. And so I recently became uh, financially sober and I am the cheapest son of a bitch you (laughs) have ever met. It is really funny to witness after being on this show for so many years and you just, it's never been like this. You've never been like this. It's the every penny I spend now I'm like Scrooge McDuck. And it happened in like a month. A month ago, one of you guys were like, you know what? I'd like to have a bounce house. I'm like, put it on my credit card. Uh-huh. Let's get one for each of us. He's like, let's go. And I swear to God, the other day I was at Schnooks and I looked at like uh, Chihula, whatever, uh, hot sauce. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, the Chihula 479 Worth it. Me not think so. Oh, and I put worth it, it back. No, you did that with something in like the E-Mart the other day. You were like, $4. Yeah. I shan't be paying that much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can tell you, the $4 uh, E-Mart thing, probably not worth it. Cholula's worth it. Let's talk to Brian on line one. Brian, thanks for calling. Go ahead. Hey, guys. I, I just uh, love the previous conversation. You were discussing various generations and how people who grew up in them would feel about their time and growing up and the uh, speculation about 50 years into the future. I thought that was just just great stuff. And I, I hadn't thought about it, but I think you're right. 
the, the people who grew up in the eighties and nineties, um, that that was a, that was an extra extra uh, extra stress free period. Yeah. Because in the sixties when I grew up, which was awesome, there was Vietnam, and it it was just always there. So um, anyway, I just thought it was great. Thank you, Brian. Something to think about, and I'd love it. I appreciate that. That is very nice. Uh, these guys know I'm just a big, giant ball of insecurity, and we'll go to break, and I'll, I'll say to Rachel, like, the show sucks, right? It really sucks today. I'm talking way too much about my existential bull crap here. And she's like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And it's always nice when someone when someone gives me a cookie and says the show is good. I like when we have those conversations because we don't turn it into generation versus generation. Yeah, because yeah, that's never, not what it is. We never go like, and yours is the one that's messing things up, and ours is the one that had it right. It's no, more had, just like, had I been it? born in 1927, like my dad, I would have worn my my pants up by my nipples, and I would have <laughs> been jingling the chain, right. the coins in my pocket, and talking like a 1940s gangster and yeah, stuff. I did that. I pulled that out. This is another vacation thing. I pulled that on my dad because he was making fun of how some young person was dressed. I'm like, man. If you were born in twenty, if you were born in twenty ten, you would just you'd look exactly like yeah. that. He's like, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Three thirty-five DGS Halloween coming up at four twenty today. Just like every day between now and Halloween, on Halloween proper, we'll start it at four p.m. And uh, today, I recorded a short story that I wrote years and years ago. And uh, when we play it, I mean, you can say whatever you want to say, but I'm just asking you to be kind. I, I'm not, I don't think I'm a writer. Uh, I wrote this story because I had a recurring childhood nightmare and I wanted to put it on paper and it would be cathartic. And I found it. Uh, I'd forgotten about it. And I thought, oh, this might be kind of cool to record and uh, play on Halloween. So we did. And we're going to play it on Friday, uh, Tuesday. So that's coming up. Uh, hello, Dave Murray. Hello there. And it started off, it was a dark, stormy night. You're not? too far off yeah you're not too far off um speaking of my new financial sobriety uh dave's big into hawaii and maureen's niece amy's getting married right around thanksgiving in hawaii so uh where uh, I don't know. I don't know because I, I, I don't get to go. <laughs> One of those islands. Yeah, it's somewhere oh. I've never been and won't be. And so she, Maureen and Phoebe are going. And so a few months back, uh, back when uh, I was fun, Dave, uh, she's like, <laughs> hey, Amy's getting married in Hawaii, and I want to take Phoebe, and I know it's not going to be cheap, and I'm like, why do you think I work so hard? You guys go, enjoy the beach, you know, send me some photos. And then she reminded me the other day, and I'm like, I didn't say it, but I'm like, I mean, do both Uh-oh. of you have to go? I mean, <laughs> you got any points? Couldn't, couldn't like one of you go and FaceTime the other one or something? <laughs> is, is cargo an option? <laughs> right. Yeah. Can't you take that bridge and drive? Uh, so it is really, really weird. I mean, I don't mean this to, uh, to be offensive at all because I have people in my life and my family who are sober. I have great respect for it. Uh, so when I say financial sobriety, I don't mean to belittle what people with true addictions have, but it is weird to live a way that you never have before. Mm-hmm. It's re- It's very strange. And I know I'm I'm overdoing it, not buying hot sauce, uh, but it just like once you start noticing things, it's hard. It's, it's like people who stop smoking many times become belligerent about smokers or people who lose weight start being belligerent about people who are overweight. So... Dave, you've you've always been real frugal guy, right? 
Yes. I thought yes. so. Yeah, you and yeah. Mark Close kind of seem like you're cut from the same. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're brothers somehow. Yeah, the same cloth. <laughs> what, do you, what do you splurge on? Well, you know, when I like Hawaii, we splurged on all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, certain things like that, you know, in retirement, uh, you know, COVID kind of set us back a little bit. Uh, we, you know, splurge just on everyday life. You know, it's you don't have to spend a lot of money to enjoy things. Mm. I was letting, well, I was, well, let, well. I was letting but it helps. In. It helps, though. <laughs> Mr. Oh, well, money obviously helps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, like walking the dogs in the sunshine does not cost any money. Uh, you know, it, you know, that it's that kind of stuff, you know, it's that kind of stuff that's very enjoyable in retirement. You don't have to, you know, when you're working, it's like, ah, I've, I've got to save up money to go on a vacation to get out of the rat race for a week or two. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that when you're retired. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Someday. Someday. <laughs> Very be frugal. Be make, frugal. <laughs> very few people make retirement sound as appealing as Dave Murray does. Yeah, he's talked about retirement a couple I love times. It. And it's I love like, it. He's well, thriving. Dave kind of has it perfect because Dave is retired, yet he still gets to work a little bit, right. make some money, stay engaged, stay you know yeah. active. Well, don't don't overdo that. Make some money. <laughs> don't overdo that. He's doing it for the passion of the weather. Okay? Right, the enjoyment. We're all looking at each other like, are you paying him? I'm not paying him. <laughs> Man, I forgot. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, okay, so uh, we're going to have a big change coming up here yes. in a couple of days, and tomorrow's going to be like pretty, pretty warm. Yeah, tomorrow is the warmest day of this stretch. Still not record heat, but we're very warm tonight. We're very warm Friday. Then a cold front comes through Friday evening. So tomorrow, changeable sky again. It's windy. It's warm. 82, 85 is the record from 1950. And there will be periods of showers and a couple of thunderstorms around Friday afternoon. That's the cold front coming in. The front itself comes in fairly early Friday evening. Showers, maybe a thunderstorm in the evening, then turning colder. Now, 65 is the overnight low tonight. The overnight low Friday night is 45. That's pretty good switch in temperature. And we will feel the dropping temperatures on Friday evening for the Friday night football games. Saturday, what happens is this front comes through St. Louis. It stalls out about 100 miles to our south, but becomes the running board for more rain, waves of low pressure. So clouds control Saturday, periods of rain, 55 degrees, feels colder, Periods of rain Saturday night, 45. Then Sunday, periods of rain, 52 for the high, but we will be dropping into and through the 40s on Sunday afternoon. But we're still talking just all rain. Then we dry out. The dryness comes in Sunday night. We go into two to three nights of a hard freeze. That would be Monday morning, Tuesday morning, And again, on Wednesday morning, I think we drop back to 30 degrees on Monday morning. The record is 21. On Tuesday morning, we drop to 26. The record is 26 from 1879. And then on Wednesday morning, 26. And the record's also 26 from 1954. So the growing season ends. We go from near record heat. We never set any high records in this this warmth that we've had this week to possibility of some near record cold next week. 
you gotta love St. Louis. Man, no kidding. It really is something else. Um, day back to Friday, what was the high and low? It goes how hot it, into how cold it Friday night? Friday, Friday during the day is 82. And then we dropped to 45 by, by the end of Friday night into wow. Saturday morning. That will get your attention. Yeah. <laughs> I'm worried I'm gonna get sick because a lot of times when the when the weather fluctuates that much, it messes with like my tonsils or something. I, yeah. You know what I mean? It feels well, like I'm having an allergic reaction or something. Just in time for you to go away. Yeah, perfect. You got perfect be, timing. You have to be living terrified. Right I am now. so paranoid. <laughs> like every time so get I get the mask on. Put the I mask know. on. I'm I'm really thinking about it. And every time I like touch my face, I'm like, stop. That's how people get COVID. We're gonna get you a bubble. Rach is going to Japan for a couple of weeks and uh yeah, I would be terrified if I were you because yeah. I would just be waiting for like a twisted ankle or, you know, whatever. Do, it was. Don't jinx me. Rachel, you do need to wear the, the mask on the airplane. I will for sure. I think okay, I'm going to wear a mask. Do that. I'm going to wear I, I sound like dad. I think you should, <laughs> wear, a, I think you should wear a Halloween mask. Papa Murray. <laughs> you should wear a Michael Myers mask. I will mask. say, having. It'll put everyone on the plane at ease. <laughs> having just flown yesterday, nobody's wearing masks. Really? I think I'm going to oh, wear a mask on a plane for the rest of my life. Did you wear one on the plane? Just I'm not trying to out you. No, I didn't. Just being in close quarters with other people, I'm gonna put that mask on. Yep. Do you guys see in the in the Trump trial, they asked for a continuance because COVID's going around, and the judge told them they could put masks on. They said that they wouldn't wear masks. So yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't know why that's so funny. The the judge had no. a quote. I actually wrote this down. Regardless of what you think of Donald Trump, I thought this was an interesting quote by the judge because he keeps fining Donald Trump for showing his ass, basically. And his quote was, anyone can run for president. I'm going to protect my staff because he thinks that Donald Trump is being mean about his law clerk. Right. And Donald Trump said, no, no, no. I was talking about Michael Cohen. And the judge is like, yeah, I don't believe you. But I thought that was interesting. Like, look, I know that you were president. And I know that you're you could be again, but I don't care. I'm protecting my staff. I thought that was that's good. I don't care whether it's Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Joe Biden or Kevin Wheeler. Like, good for you. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't owe him anything because he was the president. You know what I mean? Yeah, we we should not be elevating people in politics. You're one of us. That's it. The end. Ouch. Uh, <laughs> saying, you know, you're a citizen no different than the rest of us. Hit him, hit, the, can, hit him with you, the VN. You can always, you can always <laughs> depend on Wheeler to set the parameter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Uh -huh. Do a couple headlines, right? Sure. Reward yourself daily with the Schnucks Rewards app. New home sales are up 34%, according to the Commerce Department. Uh, they they uh, rose 12.3% from the month prior uh, to an annual rate of 759,000 in September, far more than the 685,000 expected. Compared to this time last year, sales are up 33.9%. I mean, are interest rates ever going to go down? Isn't the whole point to get us to stop buying as I, much as we're buying? I wish I understood it. I wish I understood it. I don't know. All right, your chocolate may contain lead. This is according That's to okay. Consumer oh. Reports. Uh, the Consumer Advocacy, Advocacy Group found concerning levels of lead or cadmium in a third of the chocolate products that it tested, just in time for Halloween. Mm. Cadmium berry eggs. Delicious. Can can I do a story? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> I just want you to know I had that one. Yeah, I thought it was too Sorry. obvious. Yeah. That was really Sorry. good. I don't take all the bounce passes. <laughs> But I wish I would have taken that one. <laughs> I'm still mad at you for when I told the story from Sasquatch Chronicles about the dog man 
and that he was in a field of corn. And you said, so that makes him a corn dog man. Corn dog man. I don't remember this. And I was so angry because it was so funny. I missed that one. Corn dog yeah. man. So it's a corn, corn dog, dog man. man. Like, damn it. What's your story, Dave? So uh, get this. So Boeing, local Boeing, uh, took on a contract a few years ago to retrofit two 747s to be the next Air Force Ones. And they're getting paid something like $3.9 million. And as it stands right now, they're going to lose at least a billion dollars on each plane because of, like, uh, the way that everything's more expensive now and all the delays and COVID and whatnot. Can you imagine that? Mm. Like, you go into it thinking, we're going to make billions of dollars here making the next Air Force One. And it turns out because of all these different things going on, they're currently, because they're not done yet, they're currently a billion down on each plane. Ugh. And they're just stuck because it's like yeah, a contract? Yeah, I mean, like, the government's like, eh, it sucks to be you. Yeah. Well, they get out on the other end, though. Which end is that? It means they're getting all the good contracts, too. Right? I don't know what you mean. Sounds like you're talking about stuff I don't know about. Like, that's not their No, I'm just saying, contract. right. I'm oh, saying like, they've got a lot of contracts no, I, that benefit them. The I, I, I think yeah. Boeing's fine. Yeah. I think Boeing's yeah. fine. <laughs> but I just thought that that, like, I hope someone got a talking to. Did they sign, like, a 90-year deal or something? I don't know. <laughs> like, forever and ever, it'll but be a million dollars. They were quoting someone there, CEO, CFO, or something, and he just goes, yeah, it is what it is. Like, we're, we're, we are where we're at. Nothing he can do. I wonder how much that helps the brand. Being hmm. the being the ones that make Air Force One, I would think a lot. Yeah, oh, yeah. didn't Trump renegotiate that contract when he was president? No, no. I know he I wanted a new Air Force yeah. One really badly, but I don't know. But if I that think he happened. was really pounding on Boeing to bring the price down. I think it worked. <laughs> yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what's nicer, Air Force One or the Trump jet? Oh, I think Air question. Force One. Yeah. Air Force One oh. seems pretty cool. Air Force One is like a flying. Fortress gauntlet. It has like a con- it, like several conference rooms. That yeah. blew my mind when I heard. Yeah, that. I'm sure it's cool. got. I mean, he's got rooms. technology and stuff. <laughs> and technology. I wonder if there's a bookshelf within. <laughs> probably got vi- probably got video games and Xbox up there. Yeah. Oh, let's go! I'm running. <laughs> I heard they got real good in flight meals too. <laughs> I'll be like, we gotta go. We gotta go somewhere far away. I need some. Xbox time. I mean, I mean they got four ply. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dave. Appreciate it. All righty. Spooky Halloween stuff coming up at 420. Let's do some sports. Let's talk a little uh, World Series and a little uh, City SC. Yeah, let's start with City. I mean, it, it, they in their inaugural year, it's been pretty storybook, right? Pretty I mean, good. you're the number one seed. You, you know, you've done everything. Everything all year has kind of been a celebration, and rightfully so. It's been like the experience. I haven't been able to get to a match yet, but I, I mean, it's because the tickets are hard to get. But Everything I've heard is like it's almost perfection. Like the atmosphere, the food is great, the systems for getting everything done is great. Uh, and now they're going to get the opening round matchup against the the rival across the state. Cool against Sporting KC probably doesn't get a whole lot, but like if you were to script year one for an expansion sports franchise, yeah, this is pretty much the one the way it's scripted. And when does it start? Sunday, Sunday night, which by the way will be chilly. Yep, and it's going to be here too on KMOX. So we're going to simulcast on both stations. Very so, cool. Yeah, that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. And you don't very often get the opportunities to have new teams, mm-hmm. you know, franchise like this, and for it to go as perfectly as it could go is pretty stunning. Yeah, I mean, part of that is luck. Part of that's credit to ownership and management putting together a quality team. 
when we had Tim Parker in and talked yeah. about his his first reaction was, oh, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> go to an expansion team. And all of a sudden, yeah. He's you know. Like, I was already on a crappy team. <laughs> now I'm going to go to a crappier team. Yeah. I mean, it's it doesn't get a whole lot better than this. And now it, it will feel bad if they end up losing. You know, it's a three-game series. It's the yeah. way they do this. Uh, but getting your, your rival, in your in-state rival, and there's some heat there. You know, there's a, it's already, even though it's early on, there's some good fire burning beneath the surface of that rivalry. So that's cool. How do you like the World Series? <clears throat> I don't mind it. I, I think I'm different than a lot of people because I don't really care about the names of the players. I don't really care about if it's not a team that I'm really like specifically pulling for. I don't care who it is. This is a, this story is a tale that can give Cardinals fans hope for next year. There is a path to this. Last year, the Texas Rangers had 68 wins. Wow. They're in the World Series. Last year, Arizona had 74 wins. They're in the World Series. The Cardinals had 71 wins this year. So right down the middle of what these two teams were, which shows you that they have to spend. Well, a lot. I mean, Texas spent a lot. Arizona didn't, though. They made a bunch of moves. They made some trades. They, 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 They changed their roster a fair amount. But it wasn't as dramatic as Texas. They showed two ways of doing it, right? And Arizona is probably a model that's a little closer to the Cardinals' way of doing things. Um, But they're going to have to be a little bit of both. But the point is there's a path to that. Um, That, you know, the Rangers won 68 games. They spent a lot of money in free agency the last two off-seasons. But they also made really smart trades in season and pickups that weren't that expensive, but they were very aggressive. Real quick, what's your best guess at the added money we spend for next season? On top of where they were this yes. year? An extra 20 on top of the 50 or 60 that's coming off. Everybody, we-